Well, Rock Church, how we all doing? Y'all good? Yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. So I'm so glad that every one of you guys are with us today uh, here in Conway. And I'm also excited about everybody who's joining us online. Uh, Conway people, will you welcome everybody who's online? Just, just kind of give them a holler. So glad you guys are with us and uh, participating. Had somebody from our online community call today and ask how they could go about giving uh, to The Rock on a regular basis. They don't even live in this state, but they said they want to partner with us on mission. So we're thankful for our online community and thankful for our Conway community, our Ainer community, our coastal community, South Strand, everything is going on, all right? And I'm also thankful for dads. All right, so, so do me a favor. If you're a dad in the room, just stand up so that we can recognize you because it's Father's Day weekend. So let's celebrate our dads. So good to see all of our dads. So thankful for you guys and um, just being here and, and setting the example uh, for your family. Such an important thing. That dads, when you set an example by making Jesus first in your life, when you set an example by by making church a priority in your life, it truly does ripple, not just in your family, but in generations, all right? Uh, So dads, we want to continue to encourage you to do that. And I'm excited about today. We're going to dive right back in to this series that we've called The Quest. And we played a little game earlier, and that game was all about seeing clearly. It was a game about seeing clearly and then speaking courageously once you felt like you knew the answer. And I want you to see how that pairs into this whole series. See, in week one of the quest, we said that that we're on a quest to follow Jesus. That week one was all about what does it look like just to simply follow Jesus? And then from there, we hit it last week. We said, if we follow Jesus, then we should do what he says. That that if we follow Jesus, then we should simply do what he says. And this week, I want us to understand that if we follow Jesus and do what he says, then it'll help you to see clearly. Like if you want to see clearly, If you want to see things as if they truly are, then follow Jesus and do what he says because he'll help you see things clearly. And I believe we struggle with this. Dads, we struggle with this a lot. Many dads have said, man, I can't find blank, to which our wives usually within about five seconds says it's right there in front of you. Dads, am I right on that one? Like, we're not, we're not great at, at always seeing things clearly. But, but it can go worse than that. Like, like we don't always see clear, life clearly. And I don't just mean dads, I mean people. We don't always see life clearly. We don't see ourselves clearly. We don't see our purpose clearly. We don't see Jesus clearly. There's a lot of things that, that we don't have clarity on when it comes to what we actually even see. Helen Keller once said, what is worse than being born blind is being born with sight, yet with no vision. And I think some of us are there that, that yes, we can physically see, but we don't have a, a clear view of what life is really supposed to be about. 
We don't have a clear view of who we are as teenagers, as who we are as young adults, as who we are as men, as who we are as women, as who we are as husbands, as who we are as fathers, who we are as mothers, who we are as wives. We don't have a clear view. So, well, how, how can we get clarity? How can we see clear? Follow Jesus and do what he says. And last week we looked at a story where, where a guy started to understand Jesus, but he didn't do what Jesus said, and it brought some difficulties into his life. Today I want us to look at a guy who heard what Jesus said, and he just did it. And when he did what Jesus said, he saw clearly. It's a story that we find in the, the gospel of John, or sometimes we call this the, the biography that John wrote about Jesus. And, and this is a, a book that we have held today that was written thousands of years ago, but, but it's never been proven wrong. It still holds true. And there's a story in it that John wrote that, that he experienced in Jesus' life. And so here's what it is. It'll, it'll be on the screen behind us. But, but it says this in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. In John 9, verse 1 through 7, it reads like this. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. A rabbi, which means teacher. A rabbi. His disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Uh, Siloam means scent. And so the man went, he washed, and he came back seen. Glory. Uh, let, let, me, let me dig into this just a little bit. Like, I want you to understand the, that what's really happening in the story. That, that Jesus and his disciples are just walking down the road. And as they're walking down the road, his disciples notice a blind man off to the side. And they ask Jesus, is this guy blind because of his own sin or the sin of his parents? Which I find an interesting situation already. Like, think about it. Here's a guy born blind, minding his own business, and some guys come by and start talking about him. Like, like, that's a little weird just in itself. And then what they say about him is, is he blind because he's a sinner or is he blind because of his parents' sin? And they, they probably asked that because back in that culture, people held the belief that, that your personal suffering was a result of personal sin. That, that you would have personal suffering in your life because of the sin that you had personally done or somebody in your family lineage had personally done. Now, when we hear that, we think, well, that sounds crazy. It sounds crazy to say that, that someone would suffer because of, like, like they, they would be blind because of their sin. 
yet if we're honest, we really still believe the same things. I mean, how many times have maybe you said or a friend has said this, that, man, is this suffering? Is this situation that I'm in in my life? Is it because God is mad at me about something? Is God punishing me with cancer? Is God punishing me with this source of suffering? Like, like we don't say it in the same way they did a couple thousand years ago, but I think we still kind of say it. Right? And let's make sure this isn't a sermon about that. That's really a sermon for a different day. But let's at least answer the question real quick. That suffering is not a direct result of personal sin. Now, let me explain what I mean there. There's consequences of sin. Like you go out and go, go drunk driving and wreck a car and, and get injured. That is a consequence of sin. But God won't make you run into the tree as a form of punishment. You see what I'm getting at? That if you get cancer, it's not because you have sin in your life. It's because sin came in the world thousands of years ago and affected this world. But you don't get cancer today because I made a bad decision yesterday. And we know that's true because of what Jesus said in the text. He said it's not a result of his sin or his parents' sin. It's for the power of God. It's to display my power. That God, what Jesus was saying is, I'm gonna use the suffering of this man to show the power that I have. And so I wonder what was going on in the guy's mind. Because again, his eyes didn't work, but his ears did. So I wonder if he could actually hear what was going on. He's like, man, why are they talking about me? Why is he saying that? And then here's the very next thing he hears. Right? Like, like, that's gross. Let's just admit it. Imagine if you're blind, you hear people talking about you, and the very next thing you hear is somebody hawking up a loogie. And then spitting. And then, then you maybe hear the noise of some dirt and some saliva kind of being rubbed together. And then maybe you hear, like, because his ears work, right? And he's sitting there, he doesn't know what's going on. And then the next thing you know, he feels somebody in his presence wiping something on his eyes. How many of y'all would have started swinging? Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, if I'm that guy right there in that moment, I'm like, man, get off me. What are you doing? You know what I mean? I'd be freaking out. I, I'd be going, stop. I, I'd be wiping my eyes like, what are you doing? We, we don't have that recorded in Scripture. Oh, what we see is it happens, and, and then immediately Jesus just says to him, now go and wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. He doesn't say, if you want to see, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. He doesn't say, if you want to be healed, go to the pool of Siloam and wash your face. All he says is, now go and wash at the pool of Siloam. And the guy gets up and he goes. He does what Jesus says to do. And when he does what Jesus says to do, he gets his sight. 
that, that he shows up there and he gets down in the water and he washes his face. And as he starts to wash his face, he starts to see that he starts to see clearly. And again, I think that's something that each and every one of us needs to come to an understanding of because there's things in our life that we just don't see clearly. There's things in our life we don't see clearly. There's things in our identity that we don't see clearly. There's things in who we are that we don't see clearly. Like we get this idea that, well, what life is, it's just, it's me, you know, going to class and getting out of class and going to work and getting out of work and going home and watching TikTok and then going to bed and getting up the next morning and going to class or it's getting up and going to work. And when I get done with work, I go hang out with the guys. And when I'm done hanging out with the guys, we drink a few beers and then I go home and, and then I go to bed and I wake up the next morning, I do it again. We don't have clarity of what life is really about. But this guy, all of a sudden, he started seeing clearly. What did he see clearly? What I believe he saw clearly was life and himself. That I imagine in the moment that when he started to wash his eyes, that all of a sudden he started to see the light. We went from darkness to light. That, that all of a sudden, maybe he, he started to see color. He started to be able to see trees. He started to be able to see buildings. He started to be able to see people. He's starting to look down and he's starting to see his own fingers, his arms, his chest, his legs. I wonder if he pulled out over top of, of the pool and all of a sudden, for the first time ever, he saw what he actually looked like. See, when, when we do what Jesus says, we'll actually see life the way God intended us to see life. When we do what Jesus says, we'll actually see ourselves for who he created us to be. Like that we don't have to wonder, who am I? We don't have to listen to what other people say. We can see ourselves because of who Jesus says that we are. See, see people struggled with this. I want to go back to the story. It's John chapter 9, verse 8 and 9. That, that now he can see, and some people were asking him some questions, and, and this is what they said. It says, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Uh, some said that, that he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. Like, I want you to see what's really going on there. That in this moment, this guy, the beggar, the blind man, he knows exactly who he is. That other people are going, well, maybe he's this guy or maybe he's that guy. But the beggar, the blind man who is now not blind, he goes, oh, I know exactly who I am. It is me. And he knows that because he just did what Jesus told him to do. And, and I believe this is a massive struggle in our culture right now. That I believe that we are in the midst of an identity crisis and we've been in the midst of an identity crisis for years now. And it's not getting any easier. Amen. I know this is true of young adults and teenagers that you're getting told from everybody and anybody who you are or who you can be or what you wanna be. You're getting told just be whoever you wanna be. Whatever's on your heart, that's what you can do and that's who you can be. It doesn't really matter. It's not just with young adults and teenagers. 
Men, we struggle with it. Ladies, we struggle. We don't know who we are. Listen, do what Jesus says. And you'll come to understand exactly who, you, who he created you to be. Do what Jesus says. And you'll see yourself clearly that you are a creation of God. And he created you on purpose with a purpose. That's what he did. And we can understand who we are when we do what he says and when we also see Jesus clearly. Because the guy didn't just see life in himself clearly. He also then started to see Jesus clearly. That a little bit later in the story, he runs into Jesus and we see their interaction. I wanna pull it up on the screen. It's John chapter nine, verse 35. It reads like this. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, well, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Like, like, like I really want to believe. I really want to know who it is. I really, like, like, I want to know. Will you just tell me? Because something's happened in my life. Something's happened in my heart. I can see. I simply want to know. And then Jesus replies like this. You have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. That Jesus said, the one who's speaking to you, well, he's the one. So then the guy goes, yes, then, I believe, I get it, because I couldn't see who he was earlier, because remember, he was blind, and now he's seeing, he's like, yep, I get it, I'm all in, and then notice the last words, and he worshiped Jesus that because he saw Jesus clearly, he could then turn and worship him. That he said, I fully believe, I understand who you are, and I just want to worship you because now I see you clearly. And when you do what Jesus says, then what will happen is you'll come to understand who you are. You'll see yourself clearly and you'll see him clearly. You'll start to understand that what he says isn't a bunch of rules and regulations, but what he says is actually for our benefit and our good because he knows the best way to live life. He knows the best way to enjoy life. He knows the best way to give him glory. So if we simply follow him and do what he says, we'll see clearly. But it'll go on one step further than that. If we see clearly, well, then we can speak courageously. See, think, think about this guy for a second, that, that he started to speak courageously. He, he started to voice his opinion. And oftentimes as people, we love to voice our opinion. Uh, we love to speak courageously about different things. We love to speak courageously about our sports teams. We love to speak courageously about our political affiliations. We, we love to speak courageously uh, about, about things that are going on in our life or about the restaurants we love or about things we believe. How about we actually start speaking courageously about the Jesus we see clearly? What, what would life look like? What would life look like is, let, let me just say this to the men for a second. Because men, like, like, we're really good about 
talking about our tools and our vehicles and our sports teams, right? Like, like we love to do that. What would it look like as men if we started being known for how we speak about Jesus? That people said, man, that guy's just always talking about Jesus. Not in a freakish, corny, like lunatic way, but in a real way that another guy, that a coworker, that your kids could go, now that makes sense. What would it look like if, if as young adults, we said, man, I'm gonna be known for the way I speak about Jesus. Well, what would it think about as a teenager, if you were known in your high school for the way that you speak about Jesus. See, this guy, that's what he was known for after that. And, and, and he gives us a pattern that is really simple, like really simple. Because see, I know a lot of times that, that, that we won't speak because we don't really know what to say. This guy gives us a great pattern right away, that he speaks about Jesus. He speaks courageously through his personal testimony, by making an ask, and by pointing to the evidence. Like, like in the story, he got healed. He could see. And then once he could see, some people got mad because he was healed on a, on a, a religious day. And they're like, you're not supposed to get healed on this day. So they put him, in trial, put him on trial in front of the religious leaders. All right? and, and so that's where we'll pick up the story because that's where he shares his testimony. It's John chapter 9, verse 24. So he's on trial. The people are asking him questions. And he says this. Uh, so for the second time, they, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. The religious leaders are saying this. And then it goes on and says this. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. It was that simple. That, that, that he said, I don't know everything about this guy, Jesus, but this is what I do know. I was blind and now I see. So you can say whatever you want to say about Jesus, but what I know is what he did in my life. And, and I love it because you hear this from this guy's view, like he doesn't know a whole lot about Jesus. He just knows he was blind and now he could see. I know when I first came to faith, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I just knew I was blind, not, not literally, but blind, but now I could see. I know I had guilt and it was gone. I know that I had a lot of sin in my life and all of a sudden I had been set free. So I didn't know a lot about Jesus, but I could say, I can tell you what he's done in my life. And that was when I first got saved, but, but now 30 years later, I can say the same thing. Let me tell you about what he's done for my family. Let me, let me tell you what he's done in my career. Let, let me tell you what he's done in my life. Well, let me tell you what he's done for my kids. Let me tell you about what I see in people's stories at church. Just share personal testimony. And then once you share your personal testimony, make an ask. See, we oftentimes, we don't make an ask. We don't invite somebody, dude, just come to church with me and experience it for yourself. Or we don't say, will you, will you just maybe put your trust in Jesus right now? And we don't make a personal ask. And I think oftentimes we don't, it's because we're afraid on how they will reply. And, and as I was preparing for this message, I couldn't help but think, would I rather somebody say no to me 
or say, I don't know and I didn't know later on. You see what I'm getting at there? Like to say no to me means they got to at least ask the question. If later on in life, maybe they're in front of Jesus and they go, I didn't know. Well, that's on me. That's on us. Then we got to be willing to share. And this guy did that. Look at, look at the next verse. It's John chapter nine, verse 24. It says, but what did he do? They asked, how did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Like, I know there's a lot of sarcasm in there, but in that moment, what he's doing is he's making the ask. And then he's backing it up with evidence. Look at the next verse. It's verse 29. It says this. We know God, this is the religious leader speaking. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, yet you don't know where he comes from. Like, can you see the evidence? This guy spoke courageously. That he said, I gotta let these guys know what is going on. What would it look like if as men, as women, as teenagers, as young adults, if we said, you know what, I'm gonna start sharing my personal testimony. I'm gonna ask people a question of whether they're willing to respond to Jesus. I'm gonna point people to the evidence. I have to do it because there's a fire in my bones that I gotta let out, like Jeremiah the prophet said. Well, will we respond like the apostles did when they were on trial and they said, judge for yourself whether it's right to obey you rather than God. But as for us, we can't help but talk about what we've seen and what we've heard. So here's what we need to do as we go into a time of response. We just need to make it real simple. Let's follow Jesus by doing what he says so that we can see clearly. And then when we see clearly, let's speak about it courageously. Let's do that as we go into a time of response. You know, when I think about those two ideas, seeing clearly and speaking courageously, I know there's a lot of people uh, in this room that have had that moment, that have had that moment where their eyes were open, that they were able to see that their lives changed forever. And all of a sudden, you were able to see clearly. You're able to see the vision for your life. You're able to see what God's purpose for you was. You're able to see how God designed you to live in this world to glorify him. And then once you see that, there is the challenge to speak courageously. And I was sitting over there, and I was just thinking about, like, what does this really mean for us? What does that mean for us today? What do I need to say from this stage? But then I kind of realized the, the whole idea of speaking courageously is, is everyone in this room taking their story and sharing it with the world. It's not about necessarily what I can say, but it's about what you can say. Because there are people in your life there might be neighbors, family members, classmates, coworkers, where they need to hear your story. They need you to speak courageously. 
they need to hear you speak before they ever hear me speak or Fink speak. Because they need to see that someone in their life has had this change. Or something completely turned around, completely unexpected happened. And your story, because they know you on a very personal level, they know what's been going on in your life. They know your blind spots. They might just need you to say, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happened. This is how my life has changed. And that could be the door opening for them to see clearly as well. It's a beautiful thing that we all have the opportunity to do. As soon as we leave here, we can go share those stories. But I don't think speak courageously begins and ends out there. I think it begins in, in here. For us to be courageous in our worship, to lift up the name of the Lord, to raise our hands in worship. I know for some of you, like raising your hands in worship might be the scariest thing in the world but it might be the courageous step that you need to take today. And maybe today you're realizing that you've been blind. You've had this vision that, that wasn't there. You have been kind of walking through life with no plan, no purpose, and you're going, man, what, what is it for me in this life? Well, I hope you hear today that Jesus wants to work in your life that Jesus wants to give you sight, that Jesus wants to lift you up, that Jesus wants you to be able to see how he's really created you to live. And you can have that today. Now, I'm not gonna hawk a loogie and put it on your eyeballs today, <laughs> but we do have some steps of response. For you, it might be just saying, Lord, I'm gonna give my life to you and choose to follow you for the very first time because I see that you actually do have something for my life that you do love me, that you do care about me. And you have that moment right there at your seat, but there's another step that goes along with that process. And it's the step of baptism. Maybe that baptistry is your pool today where you wash away that old life and you step into a new life. Where you experience Jesus and you say, all right, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to do what you say. I'm choosing to respond to you. And all of a sudden, life begins to be a lot more clear. Maybe you need to take communion over here on the right and remind yourself that, that Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could have life. Maybe it's just a moment of prayer with our team, whether it's in the corner or the connect corner. Maybe it's lifting your hand in worship. Maybe it's texting someone that you know right now and saying, hey, I want you to join me next week. There are all sorts of response steps that we can take. And some of them might be pretty scary. But I'm gonna challenge you to be courageous so you can see clearly. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Jesus, I, I, I pray that you help us all to see clearly, to see you, to see what this life is really about. And Lord, I, I pray that you give us the courage to speak. Lord, there are so many people that are walking around blind in this world. 
that don't know you, don't know your plan, don't know your vision for their life, don't know that you love them. Lord, I pray that we'll go into those spaces, the spaces that we already occupy, and we will share who you are and what you've done in our own lives. Lord, we hand it all over to you today. We trust you today. Lord, help us to see clearly and speak courageously. We love you. Amen.